Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hey, hello there. Hey again, everybody. I am coming to you from smack dab in the center of the USA, Kansas, where the weather is semi sort of kind of spring-like, and I am pretty much staying smack dab in the middle of my house, just like the rest of you all are pretty much, I'm sure. So today, we are going to take a look at Psalm 1, which is, of course, the first psalm in what is known as a Psalter, the whole book of Psalms, right in the very middle of your Bible. But before we do that, I just want to say this one thing. When, When this is all done, and we take a look back kind of in our rearview mirror when um, when we're past it all and we, we fully know all the ramifications and the impact from COVID-19, what, what, what's that going to be like for us? What's that look back through the rearview mirror going to be like for us, like corporately, for society as a whole, for the world as a whole, for local communities, but also just as families and individuals? As and specifically as Christians, as Christ followers, as believers, as disciples, what do we want to see when we reflect back? What do we want to see upon reflection? Like if you do your hair and makeup, when you look in the mirror and your reflection looks back at you, there's something you want to see as a result of what you just did. You did your hair, you did your makeup, uh, you pay good money to have your hair colored, uh, you buy the good makeup, not the cheap stuff, right? I mean, you want an end result when you look at your reflection. And, um, you know, you don't want it to look like you got your hair cut with those, remember those things, those vacuum attachments you could get? And like it sucked up your kid's hair and cut it in the vacuum. Uh, some of you are going to remember this. Some of you are going to be like, what? So for those of you who are a younger generation, Google it. Google it. It is so funny. I can't remember the Floby or something. It was called the Floby. Look it up. It's so funny. But anyway, we we do things so that when we reflect upon them, we get a certain result. What are we going to see upon reflection when this is all done? Hindsight is absolutely for sure 2020. And hindsight on the year 2020 is going to be 2020. But what can we, what kind of choices you know, we can kind of make our choices right now. What kind of choices do we need to make right now today about what our hindsight is going to look like? Let's do some things today that will make it easier to reflect well, to reflect well without kind of wincing in the future. We want to look back and have um, a quality haircut and color and high-end makeup. And maybe we used the right filter when we took that selfie versus I used the Floby to cut my hair and um, I let my roots grow out for six weeks kind of a thing. Okay, so, all right, that was my little aside. Now we're going to jump into just Psalm 1. Okay, so it's really, I need you to have a frame of reference when we're looking at Psalm, verse number, or Psalm 
one out of all the book of Psalms. So I'm going to, I'm going to put the whole Psalm in the show notes from the Amplified and probably from the Christian Standard Bible. There'll be two translations. It may not end up being the Christian Standard, but it probably will be. So I want you to keep in mind that Psalm 1 basically sets the stage. It sets the tone for all the rest of the Psalms. Anything else that we read from the Psalms after this, anytime you see a verse from the Psalms shared on Instagram or Facebook, or somebody sends something and it lands in your inbox and there's a Psalm in it. Maybe your pastor does a sermon and his main points are based on the Psalms. Anytime that you see something from the Psalms, you read anything out of Psalms, don't forget that Psalm 1 sets the tone, sets the stage. So we need to keep in mind what it says. It's like it lays a firm foundation. It lays a solid foundation. And when we learn from the rest of this book, um, we we need to remember Psalm 1. So and I, does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Like it is... It is the the foundational point of a very important book of the Bible. So we need to know what it says so we better understand all the rest of what the book of Psalms says. So remember Psalm 1. And I want you to think of that like, remember the Titans, remember Psalm 1. Left side, strong side, remember Psalm 1. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple of verses and we're just going to look at probably verses 1, 2, and 3 and see where that goes. Verse 1 from the Amplified says, Blessed, meaning fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God, is the man, or woman, of course, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and their example, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers or ridiculers, otherwise known as mockers. Verse 2, but his delight, the delight of the one who is blessed here, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, his precepts and his teachings, he habitually meditates day and night. Okay, so let's look at those two verses and then we'll move on to verse three. I think it's a safe bet to say that we all want to be blessed by God. Who doesn't want to be fortunate, prosperous in all its varied aspects? Being prosperous can cover a lot of ground in our lives to be favored. Those are awesome blessings and we all want those, right? I mean, I'm going to say yes, Yes, we all want those for sure, but we don't just fall into those blessings like we fall into a ditch, like you stumble and you trip into a ditch. That's not how we fall into these blessings. It doesn't work that way. Listen, there's a, there's a lot going on right here and some things that are super important for us to recognize. If I want to be blessed, if I want to have the blessing, you know, that blessing, like Christmas vacation voice, I want you to say the blessing. If I want to have that blessing, then I got to pay attention to this verse. This is not osmosis. I do not get this by being in the locale of this passage of my Bible, right? It's not osmosis. I don't open it to Psalm 1 and then it somehow just oozes into me. I don't get to recite it like a mantra. Hey, more power to you if you know this Psalm, you know, from memory. But are you living it? Because reciting it, it's not osmosis. You have to live it, not just say it. There are people who can, who can quote the word of God up one side and down the other, but they don't live it. And so their lives aren't changed and they're not getting the blessing because they're not living it. They're just quoting it. It's not a mantra. It's not osmosis. It's not like falling into a ditch and I just stumble into it. No. If my if my husband follows these standards, then do I get the blessing? Well, um, 
That's really not how it works. It's an individual relationship with Jesus. Now, I may be blessed if those in authority over me are doing things the right way. There are like trickle-down blessings, like trickle-down economics. Sure, but it's not the same as my own personal blessing from my own personal God. So it's awesome if my husband follows these standards. And it's great if I get some little extra trickle-down blessings. But I have to want this for myself because the Lord wants me to want this for myself. So uh, it's not going to be transferred on a cellular level from one person to another. I, as in me, myself, and I, I need to decide that I will not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Meaning, I'm not going to be following the example or taking and heeding the advice of those who behave wickedly. It's actually really very simple, but man, boy, oh boy, do we ever want to complicate this. We want to make this a lot more tricky and we want to get down to splitting hairs and really it's pretty simple. It's it's exactly what it says is exactly what it means. So, so how do you know? Like you might be asking, how do I know if somebody's wicked or not? Who am I? Who am I to judge? Okay, really super common thing to hear people say in our modern era. Who am I to judge? Who are you to judge? Okay, um, who am I to judge whether or not somebody else's actions are truly wicked? I mean, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, didn't he? Yeah, you know, I just got to say that, um, first of all, don't you pretty much know when something is wicked? Don't play coy in this in this area. Don't don't play around on this one and dance and dodge. Life is short and eternity is long. So don't run around trying to convince yourself and others of that kind of nonsense. You know that you know that you know what that word wicked means. You know that you know that you know what that wickedness looks like in this world. You already know. So drop that argument and let's move on. Number two. Yeah, of course, Jesus did say, not to judge. But number one, we need to look at that in context, and I'll reference that in the show notes. And number two, really super important. Um, oh my gosh, talk about a verse that is used and abused and turned on its head to excuse others or to excuse ourselves, right? Sometimes we use it to give a pass to people. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. There are times when we will look at at people we don't know very well, and we'll be like, man, that thing in their life right there, that is really wrong. That is really harmful. That is hurting a lot of other people. And if you boil it down, yeah, that's that's wicked. That's evil. That's dark. That's bad mojo. And then in our in our closer circle, maybe it's your best friend or something. It's like, well, they're working on it. They're still growing. They just don't understand. They don't know. And we like give this pass to people around us. We use this, I don't want to judge him. Jesus said not to judge. Uh, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to say, hey, a life is short, eternity is long. And this thing right here, Jesus does not want this in your life. Jesus did not die so that this would still be a part of your everyday walking around way of living. Okay. And then we use this kind of a thing to give ourselves a pass as an excuse for whatever we're doing. This is an abused Bible verse. This is so sad that that this is what we're throwing around. We could be throwing around um, that Jesus died to gain our forgiveness, that he paid the ultimate price, so we don't have to. Um, we could be throwing around that the disciples who believed this message, they believed it so much they died horrendous deaths in order to keep sharing the gospel message. Like they weren't, they weren't at all 
uh, tucking and running or sugarcoating things or, or pretending. I mean, they believed it so much they died for it and they died horribly, horribly. Uh, what about talking about that? What about, um, we don't even usually dare to mention the name of Jesus in, in a lot of settings. Hello, that might be problematic if you call yourself a Christian. Not not that we're, um, you know, sometimes we're like literally giving Satan a pass when we take those words in red that Jesus said not to judge others, when we take them and make them an excuse for never, ever calling pure evil what it is. It is wickedness. So, hey, if nobody knows that you're a Christian, as in a Christ follower, a disciple of the Lord Jesus, then that is a big whopper of a problem. Now, if you're listening to this and you don't know the Lord, I am not talking to you. You are still in a learning mode and we're in the age of grace and God is speaking to you and drawing you to himself. And this is not for you. This is for people who you'll know. If I'm talking to you, you know that I'm talking to you. If you don't think I'm talking to you, then I'm probably not. We have got to stop throwing this verse around as um, as a way of kind of just, ah, it's rotten. We have to call wickedness what it is. We have to stop eating rotten fruit. That's not a good idea. It makes us sick. And then when we give it to other people, it makes them sick. And we don't want to take what Jesus said out of context, reframe it, try to pretty it up and and lessen the severity of a lot of what is in the word of God because we don't want to because we don't want to what? That's the, the real question. Because we don't want to what? Why do we do that? If you're looking for a pass on this one, if you're looking for that, you ain't listening to the right podcast. Sorry, not sorry. I'll just say, now sis, you know, that's what I'll say to you. If you're looking for a pass, I'm going to say, now sis, you know wicked when you see it. You already know. And knowing what's wicked is not the same thing as throwing around judgment. I'm going to say that one more time. Knowing what's wicked, and you know wickedness when you see it, Knowing what is wicked is not the same as throwing around harsh judgment that is not the way Jesus wants us to live. You know the difference, okay? This includes excusing our own behavior while judging and condemning other people. We do that a lot too. God's not okay with that. Don't think he is. Wicked is wicked, and you and I know that full well. Done. So don't don't just not do. And then not follow the advice or example of the wicked. Like, how do I, I probably need to rephrase that. Listen, we don't want to just stop there and say, okay, I'm not going to follow the advice of the wicked. I'm not going to follow the example of the wicked. Okay, that's, that's, what about what it tells us to do rather than not do, right? Because there are always two sides to this. God does not empty a vessel and then not put something else in it. So when you feel like maybe there's something where God says, don't do that, then you have to realize he's also going to say, here's what you can do to fill up that space. He doesn't leave voids. He's not into that stuff. And wise parents do the same thing. You know not to forbid all these things in your kids' lives and take away, take away, take away, and then just leave them with lots of empty space and and open time. Not a good idea. Bad parenting. Well, God's a very good parent. He's the perfect parent, the only perfect parent. So he doesn't take something away and give us all the, the do nots without saying, not giving us something that's a do, if that makes sense. So remember that we know this psalm is our foundation. It's the tone setter for every other thing that you're going to see and read in all 150 psalms. So when the stage is set by the creator with a capital C as in God, when the stage is set by the creator, the rest of us do not get to come in and recreate it all. We don't have that right or that authority. 
You try doing that on the set of a play that's been months in the making. Maybe it was a full build from the ground up. You try doing that. I don't care if it is the last night of the show and they're going to strike afterward. It doesn't matter. You don't get to come in and rearrange the set of a play that's that's been months and months to prepare for. You do that and you're going to find yourself tossed out on your ear. Like we we can't do that in that setting. We surely cannot do this with God's word and somehow think that that's all right. He might just have a little something something to say about that and we should pay attention. So to be blessed, favored, fortunate, we're going to need to decide not to take the advice or follow the example of those who believe, who behave wickedly. And we're also making up our minds that we will not be standing in the path of sinners. Don't just be hanging out with them, sort of standing where they stand. Listen, this is real deal stuff here. Maybe don't binge watch that show on Netflix while you're kind of in um, self-imposed quarantine and your city's in a shutdown. Don't be binge watching that Netflix series that you know you should not be watching and would never actually watch if you weren't so tempted, and I'm putting that in quotes, tempted to watch it because you've already watched all the shows that are on the on the bubble, on the fringe. You can get away with watching and then have to be stuck in my house for so long and so I'm just going to watch this one. Like, am I right? You know I'm right. Just don't watch it. Don't stand in the path of sinners. Because listen, first we walk, right? This is how the verse plays out. The verses one, two, and three of Psalm one. First we walk. We walk along and we sort of absentmindedly do life with these wicked people, okay? Now frame this. I'm not I'm not saying the whole wide world is wicked. I'm saying that you know what you already know what I'm saying. So if you want to judge me, uh, and you know what, throw down judgment if you want to, but you know what I mean. We don't want to be walking along absentmindedly next to people who are really into some wicked and dark things, keeping our mouth shut, not pointing them to Jesus, just kind of walking along with them. And then the next thing we do is we stand. We stop walking. We stop moving. We are spending more time engrossed in their world. Okay, have you ever seen two women who are walk exercising, walker-sizing, right? And they in their walker sizing routine in the park. And sometimes those two women are usually the ones who are really hustling walk by themselves. Uh, the ones that are doing this more relationally, they'll walk and they're talking. And then, whoa, when it gets to a more serious point in the conversation, they stop. They might step over a little bit to the side. They lean in closer and they're talking in more hushed tones and the looks on their faces are very serious and they're way more concerned with whatever they're talking about than they are with their um, their walking, right? So walker size. Okay, so listen, once we stop walking and we start talking and we're standing there, we're spending more time engrossed in their world. We're probably not spending much time exposing them to our world if we're honest, to our world as believers. I've heard all the time, I've heard it so many times that we have to be the light among people. Yeah, okay, sure. But sometimes that's a cop-out, folks. Sometimes we sound just being the light and that can turn into just standing next to them in their world, absorbing all that darkness under the guise of being the light to them. When you're not being the light to anybody. Be very careful when you use that phrase because Jesus is going to ask you about it one day. If you say, well, I, I have to stay in this situation because I have to be the light. He's going to say, all right, let's have a conversation about that, Jan. How were you actually the light when you stood there with them, when you stayed there? 
How were you actually the light? Okay, so we gotta, we gotta keep remembering that, guys. We gotta keep remembering that life is short, eternity is long, and every person on this planet is someone that God loves and Jesus died for. Let's not forget that when we're walking and then slow down to standing. Be careful what you're absorbing. Be careful where you're making excuses for things in your life and others' lives that you should not be excusing away because there's a bigger issue here, and that's eternity. There's a bigger issue here. It's glorifying the Lord. And part of glorifying the Lord is loving the world that he loves the same way that he loves it. Not afraid. Somebody might not like you. Much more afraid that they might not be with the Lord for eternity. Okay? Okay, so walking and then standing. Then we get to the next part, which is sitting. Not like sitting down to rest, but sitting in the seat of... um. It's sitting in the seat of scoffers for ridiculing. The verse in the Amplified, it does say sit down to rest. So I don't mean not sitting down to rest. I mean like it doesn't mean like I'm really exhausted from doing a hard day's work and I need to rest. It means like I'm going to rest in their presence. I'm going to spend a lot more time here than maybe I need to. Okay, because when you're resting, you are you're spending time doing that thing. Does that make sense? It's not like... We don't call your 15-minute work break a rest. We call it a break. You're not resting. Resting is longer. So when we are sitting down for a longer amount of time in the seat of scoffers or those who ridicule, that's where we need to pay attention. And the order is very important. Walk, stand, sit. So scoffers would be, um, you know, anybody who's a mocker, anybody who pokes fun, who ridicules, who is maybe not the person that you are super trustworthy with about the things you're struggling with or the big mistake you made, but they are maybe the one that you sit and listen to them jaw about everybody else and you laugh with them because usually they're funny. They're usually funny, but humor can be um, an easy way for us to hide and excuse just what's really sinful behavior. So scoffers, they're not our role models. They should not be our role models. And they're not. They're not. Nobody looks up to the the smokers and jokers. I mean, nobody looks up to um, the people who are just beyond crass and cutting. You might laugh at some of the stuff that they say, but you don't look up to them and admire them. You're kind of like, ugh, ugh. Yeah, that's funny, but ugh. They're not spoken of too highly in the word of God either, right? They're not, they're not, look up mockers, look up scoffers in the word of God. Use a concordance or Google it. And you're going to be surprised at how much space in God's word is given to this. So don't let your tongue ridicule. Don't make fun of people. Don't scoff. If you need to, like bite your tongue. And I mean, literally, I mean, bite it. Bite your tongue. This is dangerous enough to get a lot of coverage in the word of God. He talks about scoffers and mockers a lot. So we got to seriously just, we got to have it. Not we got to decide not to be that way. Bite your tongue if you need to. Be willing to even bite it till you bleed if you have to. Don't be a scoffer. This is where we end up sitting down. And when you sit down, you're kind of planting yourself. You're staying there for an extended amount of time. It's it's uh, pretty easy to end up in self-quarantine in the seat of the mocker, folks. Let me just put it that way. Now, isn't this progression kind of interesting? We feel like it ought to be kind of what we deem as milder first, like, like, well, isn't mocking somebody the milder thing? Because we have it all around us. Anytime you turn on TV, anytime you do a scroll through social media, anytime you're talking with your old buddies, um, every work joke, it goes on and on and on. It's, it's everywhere. 
So we probably feel like it should be reversed. Like mocking should not be the end result. That should be less sinful than walking with the wicked, right? But not according to God's word here. We get really comfortable with wickedness and sin. And then we end up taking our seat and feasting at the table of mockers and scoffers and those who ridicule. If God says that's the order and God says the last is the worst end result, then that's the way it is. And we need to stop flipping it around and thinking somehow mocking is less sinful than walking with wicked people and listening to them and taking their advice. Nope, it's not. It's the end result of that. Verse two. So verse one was really intense, I know, but here's the good news. Here is the path to the promised blessing, which is why you're listening to a podcast about God's promises. Instead of those options, which lead to nowhere good, and they get us there pretty quickly, rather quickly. Instead of those, we can choose to delight in the law of the Lord. Remember how God doesn't leave a void? He doesn't take something away and leave nothing. Right here is what he wants to fill that void in with. Here's your option. Here's what you can do instead of just focusing on what's being taken from you, if you want to call it that. But some people, some people feel that way. They feel like God takes things away from them. He doesn't. He's blessing them. But if if you need to know what is the filled in part, where that void was, it's right here. Let's choose to delight in the law of the Lord. As believers, we're under a new covenant, not the old covenant. We're living in the age of grace and we're not under the law. So when we see that phrase, the law of the Lord, let's just think about it as the word of God as a whole. The Amplified Version says God's precepts and teachings. And that's that's just the solid bedrock stuff we want to build our lives on. It tells us to habitually meditate on God's teachings day and night. So wake up and decide to think about what the Bible says. You're going to sleep. Well, as you nod off to sleep, do it thinking about God's word and his promises rather than doing the scroll, right? Don't scroll until you pass out at 3 a.m. Instead, focus on God's word until you fall asleep at 10 p.m., which is much more logical if you are a normal, functioning, working member of society. So, um, and you know, y'all know why you don't need to be scrolling till 3 a.m. for a zillion different reasons anyway. It's bad. But so first thing, last thing, God's word, God's word. Okay, verse three. And he will be like a firmly planted tree. He means you, he or she. You're going to be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. Okay, we are finally getting to the depth of the promises of this passage. This right now moment in time is exactly the moment when you and I need to be firmly planted and continually fed by God. This isn't for later. This is for right now. He is our living God. That means he is our right now God, right this very moment God. And this very moment is when he plans to firmly plant us and keep on sustaining us. He's planting you more and more firmly right now. He's sustaining you and will continue to sustain you. It's not going to stop. How simple is it for us to not do those things mentioned in verse one so that we can fully receive all that he has for us right now at this point in time? It's not that hard. We can do this. This right now, this is our point of need. And our loving, living God, our loving, living God plans to meet us right here at our exact point of need. That's what he does. So don't undo what he's doing. 
certainly don't undo what he's trying to do out of boredom or that dull, I'm not even thinking about what you're doing kind of thing, just binge watching or doing whatever. Listen, we want our leaf to absolutely not wither during this time. So don't let it, just don't let it. Don't be the catalyst for anything other than God's good promises in your little sphere of influence. And in this social media era, your little sphere of influence is way bigger than you even know. Don't forget that. Man, think about yielding good fruit in season. Listen up. This is important, okay? So uh, bring it back. Bring it back home. Wake up if you zoned out. Right now, right now, this is the season for believers. This is in season. So when verse three says um, you, you bear fruit, you bear fruit in season, this is in season time right now. If you know Jesus, then this is your season to yield fruit, period. This is the day in which more change, more upheaval, more just seems like crazy town. The world is turned on its head and we can't even wrap our minds around all of it. Like, does 2020 have a reset button? I mean, I saw a, a meme that said January 1, 2020 is my year. Then March 23rd. I'm using coffee filters for toilet paper. Like, yeah, where's the reset button? There is not a reset button. Right now, this is the time when you need to to bear good fruit in season. In season for you is right now. People may never, ever, ever again in your whole lifetime until they put you in the coffin and drop you in the ground. There may never, ever again be a time when people are willing to hear you Talk about Jesus the way you can right now. Pray for them. They'll let you pray for them when sometimes people won't let you pray for them. And by that, I mean, you can always pray for people, but you know what I mean? Like, like stand six feet apart, of course, and then pray for them right there out loud. They'll let you do it. Invite them to join you for church online. Hello. They'll do that right now. They'll do that right now. They might read that Christian book. Via Kindle. They don't even have to worry about the package coming and who touched it and how do I disinfect this this box from Amazon. No, they just, they can read it on their Kindle. This may never happen again, ever in your whole lifetime. This is your chance. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with your chance right now? You've got every single opportunity to bear fruit in season. And this right here, right now, is absolutely your season to bear much fruit, good fruit. You know, there's that movie Lincoln, and I think Daniel Day-Lewis played Lincoln in it and won the Academy Award. If you haven't seen it, that's okay, but um, that's something worth watching if you need something to watch right now while you're homebound. But in that movie, he says, now, now, now is the time. Now, you know what? That's true for you today. Now, bear fruit. Now, this is your season. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The very, very last part of verse three there. In whatever he or she does, he prospers. Listen, that's about more than just money, okay? It's about so much more than what we consider currency. And I want to remind you, what we call currency, what we call currency, the word of God in Revelation calls pavement, okay? So this is about more than just money. This promises that you're going to come to maturity, Come to maturity and that what you do, as in bearing that good fruit, will come to maturity and truly prosper. Yeah, I know that God can, and I know that he will, 
absolutely care for his children during this time. He'll do it. He's going to do it. Uh, you can say I'm out on a limb. You can say I'm crazy, but I'm being brave enough to say you keep tithing. You mail in your tithe check. You give online. You keep trusting. You keep being generous and watch him. You watch him do what he said he will do. He will do it. He'll take good care of you. The economy has taken a nosedive like we've never seen before, right? And there's no quick turnaround in sight. Guess what? God's going to take care of you. He will. So yeah, yeah, I'm going out of limb and saying, if you're a child of God and you're willing to really trust him through this, you're going to see some amazing things. But this verse is about so much more than just money, moolah. Don't fail to see the value as in like, Massive, tremendous value that comes from maturity. Maturity is so valuable. Having my work mature at this time, that's pretty doggone motivating. That's a doggone motivating reason for you to do whatever it is you do every day, right? What's your kingdom work that you're doing right now? Um, If this podcast is going to mature during this time, if the work I've already had in place to kind of make some changes and and uh, move my website around and get things in one place so I can blog more, because some people read and don't listen, believe it or not. Can you believe that in this day and age? Um, if finishing up some ebooks I've been working on, if that work will mature, if our work for the kingdom of God is going to prosper, wow, that's amazing. This is the time I want to be about that work then. So for you, what's at work for you? Whatever it might be, it will prosper. You just have to put your hand to it, right? You just have to put your hand to the plow, so to speak, get to work, and it will prosper. Okay. Um, Yeah, just a little bit more. I'm going to wrap this up now. I know there are still three more verses of promise in Psalm 1, but we're going to get back to those. So uh, this is episode 21. Episode 22 is already planned out, and that's going to be on the book of Matthew. And then episode 23, I think we'll just come back and finish up the remaining verses of Psalm 1. And that might seem out of order, but um, this is where the Lord's leading. So I'm just here to obey and follow his lead. Follow the voice of my shepherd and not the voice of another. So that's how we're going to do it. So last thing I want to say here is, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you in this season? Listen, this is new to all of us, this stuff we're living through. We've all got differing needs right now. An extrovert, man, you might just be going flat bonkers being cooped up like this. So uh, if you're a gym rat, which, why do we call them gym rats? Why, where does that term come? That like seems really wrong. What a weird phrase. But anyway, if you're a, a gym rat, then you might be starting to come unglued a little bit too. Lost your job. It's very possible that you did. Might only be temporary, but we don't know how long temporary is right now. Are your kids home? Do you not have um, child care for them if you are still able to work? This whole school at home thing, it might be making you want to rip your hair out, right? Like I homeschooled for 25 years. So I got to admit, there's some things I'm seeing that I'm chuckling about like, oh my gosh, yeah, the, some of the... Uh, the things where I've seen teachers say, maybe it wasn't the teacher after all, and you're just now figuring that out. It is harder than you think because you're dealing with real little people, real little people. And they got a lot going on. Their body might be smaller, but they got a lot going on in there. So you might be ripping your hair out. You're trying to get your kids to get their work done, and you don't know how to get this accomplished. Listen, if you have something you would like prayer for, I will pray for you. Just let me know what your needs are. You can DM me on Instagram. Um, at Jan Elbert. You can email me, Jan Elbert at Outlook.com. You can leave a comment. You can find me on Facebook. And you don't even have to go into detail. You can just say, 
you know, whatever, you know, I'm worried about income. I will pray for you. I commit to pray for you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Next time we're going to be looking at Matthew 6 verses 31 through 34. And I want to leave you with this. God's got you. God's got you and God's got this. Okay. I don't know how else to say it other than to say God's got you and God's got this. All of this. And that word this encompasses a whole lot right now. Stay in touch with others one way or another. Make a phone call, text somebody. Hey, here's an idea. You could do a Facebook Live. You could do a Facebook Live and invite your friends to join you. And you guys can just kind of talk. And I think you can add somebody. So two of you can be on the screen. Other people can leave comments. Why not, right? I mean, it's a way to connect and we need that right now. It's it's might be weird, but it's better than nothing. So, all right, stay connected to other people and believe that someone is your psalm for this season. See you soon, friends. Listen, I need you to do something for me. Go bear some good fruit in your chosen and appointed season today. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.